Welcome to the Williamstown Church of Christ podcast. This is a sermon recording from one of our Sunday worship gatherings. We meet every Sunday at 10am on the corner of John Street and Douglas Parade, and we'd love to meet you. For more information, head to our website, willychurch.org.au. Enjoy and God bless you. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. There he prayed, and Simon and those who were there with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. to open your devices or your hard copy Bibles or whatever you use to read the Bible. Um, We're going to be looking at this passage as we have been the past couple of Sundays in a way where it's helpful to have it handy, it's helpful to have it as a reference. So Mark 1, 29 to 45 is our passage Um, and it's going to be up on the screen as well, but it's great to have it in front of us as a way of of engaging with it, um, engaging with scripture as we hopefully are doing um, regularly in our week to be able to engage with God. I'm just going to pray for us as we jump into this text. God, we thank you for the way that you are here. God, we thank you that you aren't distant, you aren't a God who's who's up in the sky and removed from our everyday reality but God you're here you're here by your Holy Spirit thanks that you are meeting with us today thanks that you are present thanks that you are moving thanks that you are real thanks that we can 
encounter you, God, personally. And God, we pray that we would do just that this morning. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be free to, to speak to every heart. And God, we just pray that we would be attentive, God, and not too distracted now. Just be able to pay attention, God, to what you want us to, to take away today, the way you want to change us today. God, would you focus our hearts and minds on this now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're in this series, The Crown and the Cross. Who's loving being in Mark? Is anyone here just like, I'm loving being in Mark? Yeah, I'm getting some nods. I'm getting some quiet nods, which tells me maybe everyone's just a little bit like I'm not sure about, you know, being too excited in church. But, but we have been excited as a church because it's been great to get back into a gospel. It's been great to get back into a biography of Jesus. This is one of four biographies of Jesus that, that history records for us, that, that historians, Christian or, or otherwise, do not do not disagree with that this is this historically accurate account of the person of Jesus. And so we have the privilege of jumping in today to this passage, Mark 1, 29 and following. But just a recap for us, what we've been looking at the past couple of weeks is this whole idea that, that Jesus, the King, comes to reorient our world, to reorient our lives, and he comes and invites us to follow him. Lockie's message last week was, follow me, the name of it. And the invitation for us is to come and to live and to be a subject of the King, King Jesus, a king who is unlike any other king that history has known. And a king who is also a teacher, a rabbi, as the Jewish people would have known him and called him, and a master is a good word for us to use. And the invitation is to give our lives to the one who serves and saves, submits and sacrifices. That is the Jesus that we follow. And so now we're going to dig into this passage and we're going to see uh, that the call to discipleship is a call to apprenticeship. And it's a call to serve, it's a call to stop, and it's a call to, to be transformed and changed. Um, so let's dig in. We're going to look at verse 2934 first up. So I'm going to chuck it up here on the screen for us. Look at that magic. In this passage... Jesus goes to the home of Simon and Andrew um, and he's with James and John and Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever and um, Simon is Simon Peter and so we know that Mark was a close friend of Peter. Remember we talked about this in our intro, in, intro week a few weeks ago and so it's no surprise that this is here because actually if Mark was a close friend of Peter's, Peter's Simon Peter's mother-in-law, um, was, was being healed in this passage, no surprise that it ended up in Mark's account. But what happens is Jesus goes to her, he took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on him, or on them, all of them. That evening after sunset, the Sabbath is now over, and so the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. Remember, healing on the Sabbath was not allowed. The whole town gathered at the door, the whole town, that's actually 1,500 people. It sounds like it was like 4 million people or something, just knocking up, but actually it was around 1,500 of Capernaum. Um, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. In this passage, Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. Now, I'm going to resist making any mother-in-law jokes. 
because I thought Charlie was actually going to be here with us. He's actually out with Zoe with the kids for the first time, which is cool. Um, but um, look, just insert one there. Just insert a mother-in-law joke. I don't want to offend anybody here, you know. Um, but, um, but I have a really good relationship with my mother-in-law, which is good, although it's taken time. It's taken time. <laughs> um, can I get an amen? I'm sure there's other people here who've had similar experiences. But um, in this account, in this very specific healing account, Jesus takes Simon's mother-in-law by the hand and heals her. The theme in Mark, one of the big themes is authority, the authority of Jesus. And so we see his authority right here in this little snapshot. He just needs to take this woman by the hand and the fever is gone. And, um, and then we have these, these few verses, 32 to 34, um, and um, it's a summary. But what, what I want to ask is, has anyone here been in a job interview in the last few years? There's some of us because we've been praying for jobs for different people. I was in an interview a few years ago for when I was going to be, become ordained or I was in an interview that I could hopefully become ordained in the Churches of Christ in Victoria and Tasmania. And um, one of the things that I was given the heads up in this interview, and any of you who do interviewing or have been interviewed will get told this, get prepared with some examples, some examples of things you can say. You know, are you a good, engaging communicator? Give us an example of a time when you... Anybody out there going, yes, I... Yeah. So, uh, and we've got a number of people in HR in our church, so they're all going, yeah, that's what I do every day. Um, but in... And, and I remember, you know, preparing for this interview, being like, oh, I have to think of specific things. I think I'd been here in ministry for two years. So, you know, it's like two years of material and fodder and leading and getting to know a role and totally, you know, not knowing what I was doing. None of you knew that at the time, hopefully. But, um, but learning a role and needing to get my head around, what does it mean to lead a church? I'd never done that before. Um, and, um, and so in this passage, Mark is giving an example and then giving us a summary. And um, so Mark is pointing to an example here, saying this is what Jesus did, this is the kind of thing he did. And then 32 to 34, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And so we're getting a little um, specific snapshot and then a summary. And so this is one of many healing occasions that Jesus um, was, was, was doing. And, um, and so... And so we're, we're pointed here to one occasion, and that's where we can really grab hold of the history of Jesus here in the biography side. But actually, Jesus did this many, 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 many times that were not included in the Gospels. And the thing I notice is that Jesus brings wholeness here to this woman. Jesus brings wholeness to everyone he encounters. Jesus brings life and healing and hope to everyone he encounters. We're going to meet the man with leprosy in a minute. And he encounters Jesus as well and is in, has an encounter with the wholeness that Jesus brings as well. Um, but before we do, I want to just point out the second thing. This is a really important thing that we need to notice about this passage. Verse 31, he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. Oh, or it could be translated, she began to serve them. She might have jumped up and you know, started preparing some, you know, first century kind of snacks or canapes. She might have jumped up and began pre preparing some kind of first century, you know, margarita or, or another kind of drink for them. I don't know. We don't know. We're not told. But, um, but we know she serves. Her response is to serve. 
Lockie last week in his message encouraged us into the idea that, that we are in, encouraged as apprentices to be moving, the idea of movement. Does anyone remember that from last week? It was a great message. It's available on our podcast. But um, in this passage, we can see that for Simon's mother-in-law, something has changed. And uh, we quickly learn in this first little intro to Mark, we're only up to 29 verses in at the start of our passage today, but we learn that there is always a response to Jesus. There's always a response. There's always something that happens in return when people encounter him. But you know what's really interesting? If we look a little closer... Um, Verse 22 and 27 before today's passage, we heard them last week, they tell us that the people were amazed. The people were amazed. We read that twice um, in the first chapter of Mark. And verse 33 tells us the whole town of Capernaum gathered at the door. And, um, And so the question that I want us to ponder first up this morning is, what will our response be to Jesus? Will we be amazed will we be amazed or will we be his apprentices see there's a difference one uh, one response is one of sort of wow and one response is one of wow and so much more i want to follow and i want to become more like this person and the woman's response was definitely one of apprenticeship because she got up and served the woman um seems to get what it means to follow Jesus before even going on the Jesus discipleship school or Sunday school or discipleship group. Because later in Mark, in 9.33, Mark says, if anyone's going to follow me, they're going to have to become last. They're going to become like the bottom person and that's going to involve serving and and giving themselves. It's this kind of upside-downness of Jesus that we encounter every time we read about Jesus and we read the Gospels, we realise... Wow, he just turns everything upside down. The man with the greatest authority, the man that was God himself, made himself nothing. And we are called into that same movement as well. And that's where we're going to find our greatest joy and our greatest freedom. And so this woman um, had encountered Jesus and she chose to serve. She chose to respond with service. Now, any Adele fans here... Any Adele fans? Yeah. So I'm a really big Adele fan. And um, I like to tell people I liked Adele before she was famous because I liked her back in before, you know, when she had 19 and no one liked her then and her concerts were $30. But, um, but now she can sell out Eddie Had Stadium two nights in a row and I think she did that, it was earlier this year. Now, I am amazed by Adele. And for those of you following who are kind of like, I don't know who this person is, she's a really great British singer, female singer, awesome. And um, I'm amazed by her songs and, you know, the emotion, you just get caught up in it and you feel like you've got a broken heart even when you don't have a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you hear her sing, it's totally, um, it's something that just kind of leaves you a bit breathless because she's just incredible. She's got such a powerful voice. But I don't want to imitate and I don't want to become the same as Adele. Like, I don't want to do that in my life. That's not what I want to do. She hasn't earned um, an authority or rapport for me where I want to become like her. Um, She's kind of well-known for swearing at her concerts and telling sort of crude stories and stuff. And it's not just that. But I don't want to be Adele because I want to serve Jesus. 
Because Jesus is my king. He is the master that I want to follow. He's my teacher. He is the king, the one and only king, who stepped into the reality of our world to bring wholeness to everyone he encounters. Our King Jesus is deserving of my service. He's deserving of my followership and my apprenticeship because he's worthy. He is worthy. He is King, he is Lord, he is Master. And it's going to be the best decision that I've ever made to choose to serve him. And so I want to ask this church this morning, will your response to Jesus be one of amazement? And maybe that's where you're at at the moment. But will it move to apprenticeship? Will it move to serving? Will it move to becoming, picking up tools and becoming like him? Let's look now at the second part of our passage, 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, Mark tells us, while it was dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Here the Jesus who in Mark's previous accounts has all the authority and he's been exercising all this incredible power Here, that same Jesus is described as stopping. Um, He's stopping to seek a quiet place of prayer. He's stopping because he has thorough dependence on his father, his father who he wants to, to meet with and draw aside from activity to be with. Mark doesn't tell us what Jesus prayed. He doesn't tell us the prayer or the words. So it must be the mere fact that Jesus stopped to pray that Mark wants to get across. And that's what he wants us to grab hold of as the the reading audience here. Now, um, some of you might remember last year there was a series of memes that were Be Like Bill. If you haven't heard of these, you'll quickly latch on. This is Bill. Bill likes music. Anybody travelled on the train to work by, as an aside? Yeah, people who travel on the train are going to love this. Bill likes music, but he knows not everyone wants to hear what he's listening to on the 6am train. Bill is considerate. Be like Bill. Yeah, right. So this kind of went around the internet, a lot of these. Um, there's another one I came across. This is Jesus. He's the son of God, but he knows he needs to draw aside from his ministry and activity spend time with his father. Jesus is prayerful. Be like Jesus. Jesus is prayerful. Be like Jesus. We don't just follow Jesus Jesus, and love Jesus. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, actually want to be like Jesus. And so in the same way as the like, be like Bill, you know, here's an example of somebody. Mark's giving us an example of something that Jesus does that he doesn't only want us to, to see as like holy or admirable or wasn't that great and isn't he a great, a great kind of God that he comes and he spends time with the Father. No, no. Mark is saying, be like Jesus. Um, as a church, we are passionate about the how. The how do we follow Jesus? And Lockie and I, over the past, I don't know, four or so months, have been really talking and delving deep into how do we do the how? How do we help everyone in our church, including us, follow Jesus? Because actually a lot of churches tell you the what, you know, and a lot of churches tell you, you know, about Jesus and what he's like, and we're doing that in the series. But we want to be a church that gives the how. How do we follow Jesus? And, um, and in our vision snapshot that we, that we put into our AGM report, this is, what, this is what we've put out there. How do we become apprentices of Jesus? 
we be with Jesus, and so spending time with him in his word, in prayer, we become like Jesus. We want to become the same characteristics as we see, merciful, compassionate, generous, forgiving, all those things. And we want to do what Jesus did. Now, this sounds very simple, but it's actually really important to articulate. We want to do what Jesus did. And this week I thought, it's funny how I've read this passage so many times and I've thought this. I thought, wow, Jesus was next level holy. He was so holy. He went off early in the morning, probably didn't even have breakfast. He went off to pray. And um, that's so cool, isn't it? And more recently, in fact, this week, I've thought to myself, here it is. Jesus' discipleship how-to, or one of them, is right here. Pray. Pray alone. Pray early in the morning. Um, Pray before the distractions of the day. Pray before the entanglement things come along, the things that Lockie talked about last week, the things that want to distract us from living a life around Jesus. So let's recap. So far in the past, we've noticed that Jesus' call is one of not just to be amazed by him, but to be apprenticed to him. Can you say apprenticed? Yeah, it's good to have some involvement. So we want to be apprenticed. And here in this little, little um, pastor we've looked at, Jesus stops. The call is to stop and, and to pray and be with the Father. The last little chunk of our passage, there's a man with leprosy who comes to Jesus and Jesus heals him. Verse 44 in the bold. Jesus says to him after he heals him, some specific instructions. He says, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, it's important to understand about this man. He would have been a social outcast because not only did he have leprosy, but he was considered unclean, someone who would be contagious if you went anywhere near him, and that would have made him a social prisoner. So this would have just been completely um, debilitating in every social, physical, every sense of that that word. And this is why the man said, make me clean, make me clean. He doesn't say, heal me. He says, I want to be made clean. Because this condition wasn't just an issue of health, it was an issue of the whole of life. And Jesus brings him wholeness. His life goes from being a living nightmare to to being completely transformed and changed because of Jesus' compassion, which we read about in verse 41. And um, and Jesus changed this man's life. Now, notice what happens. Jesus warns this man. And if you look at the original Greek, it's pretty stern. It's pretty hardcore, the warning um, that that Jesus gives to him. And he says, go through the, the actual system, the Jewish system, You've been seen as unclean. If you just randomly show up at somebody's party or someone's house for dinner, they're going to be like, whoa, what are you doing here? You're not clean. You're the man who we cast out of society because of your leprosy. So Jesus knows the deal. He knows the way society works and he's smart. He says, go show yourself to the priest. Do the things that are going to bring you back to society and restore you socially. So Jesus is trying to help him. And Jesus says, here's the instructions Here's the way you're going to be restored socially. And, um, and the key teaching point here, friends, is about obedience. Will we respond to Jesus with obedience? Will we be like Jesus? Will we, will we fully obey God? 
Will we be his apprentices? And, um, and in this passage we see, you know, he does go out and some people are like, this is a passage about evangelism and telling people about Jesus. And it kind of could be. But if you look into the kind of original context, actually this man is doing the opposite of what Jesus says, even though he's just been completely um, transformed, his whole life's been completely turned around by Jesus um, healing him. So friends, let's not just be impressed by Jesus, amazed by Jesus, like the crowds in Mark 1, but let's be apprenticed to Jesus. Very practically, being an apprentice means serving like Simon's mother-in-law, serving others. Jesus says it involves laying down your life, and, um, and it involves stopping, like Jesus in this passage, going to pray and going away from all the popularity and the pressing crowds. And this is countercultural because in our culture, in the, the culture we're in, in Melbourne, um, in very, very you know, wealthy part of the world, one of the things our culture is programming us not to do is to stop. One of the things our culture is educating and discipling us not to do is to stop. And so it really involves a pushing back to culture and saying, no, I want to carve out time where I remember who I am, I remember who you are, God, and I draw aside from activity. Any of you who, um, you know, who, I don't know, just generally in Melbourne, you ask someone, oh, how are you going? I'm really busy. And that's kind of the idol of our day, isn't it? Activity and busyness. But, but church, we, we follow a God who's so much bigger than activity. Um, and we follow a God who invites us into rest. And the, the word in Hebrew is Shabbat. It means literally to cease, to stop. And so when we take a day off each week, which we always encourage everyone in our church to do, we're doing as God commands. We're stopping like Jesus. Now, you may have noticed this new language of apprentice we've just been throwing in over the past few months. It's a new word that we're using. And an apprentice of Jesus is something a, a fair bit bigger, we think, than just a follower of Jesus. You probably heard growing up, if you've been in like Sunday school or any of those kind of um, young programs as you've grown up in the church, if you've grown up in the church, um, a lot of the talk is about let's follow Jesus. But the talk that we want to be using, the language we're using is apprentice. Because an apprentice wants to do everything that their um, you know, master is, is on about. They want to become like their master. Yesterday, Charlie and me and Zoe went to Werribee Zoo. It's a pretty cool place to go. We loved it. Um, and uh, one of our favourite things was the giraffes. Anybody here love giraffes? They're just so cool. Yeah, you get really quite up close at Werribee Zoo. Um, plug for Werribee Zoo. And, and one of the things that the lady was telling us about the giraffes is that they walk in a line. They walk in a line. And the line of giraffes is called a journey of giraffes. It's got a cool ring to it. And, and, um, and she was saying, and the, the job of all the ones behind, like the not, not at the front one, is to follow the one at the front. And I kind of thought yesterday, that's what we're doing at church because Jesus is our king, he's our Lord, and we're on a journey. And I was just talking to someone before the service today and was saying, you know, it's okay to be at different places on the journey. Some of us are like right up front like, I'm all in. And some of us here at Willie Church and, and people who perhaps aren't here today but have been coming on other Sundays are just curious. They're looking into faith. Or maybe they, they're a new baby Christian and just sussing it out all for the first time. But, you know, the thing is, we're, if we're a journey of giraffes or apprentices, we're all following one master. 
We're all following Jesus. We're not following like any person in our church or you know any really good you know Christian evangelist or anything like that. We're following Jesus, and we're looking to Him to show us the way. So this morning, I want to offer you a how. I want to offer you a little takeaway, and um, it's come from a book that I've just started reading this past week. It's a book that I've recommended because um, one of the things I've been personally wrestling with the last year or two is how do you be in the space of motherhood and the kind of space of the mundane, what feels like ordinary things that you do as a mother and as a father as well, you do that, um, but actually reconciling that with that that's all part of God's kingdom. It's a great book. Um, recommend it so far in the few chapters I've read. It's called Liturgy of the Ordinary. I'm going to read a little how-to this morning as we wrap up our teaching time. Okay, so this, um, this writer, her name is Tish, pretty cool name, um, she is just going to be sharing a bit about uh, something that she started doing in her life that has really changed things. And I hope it's going to be helpful for you too. She's talking about her morning routine. And she says this, my typical morning routine used to be that shortly after waking, I'd grab my smartphone. Like digital caffeine, it would prod my foggy brain into coherence and activity. Before getting out of bed, I'd check my email, scroll scroll through the news, glance at Facebook or Twitter. If humans rescue a baby animal in the wild, the animal is said to be imprinted. It accepts the human as its mother. From that point on, it will believe that all good things come from people. It's no longer wild and it cannot live on its own. My morning smartphone ritual was brief, no more than five or ten minutes, but I was imprinted. My day was imprinted by technology. And like a mountain lion cub attached to her humans, I'd look for all good things to come from glowing screens. Technology began to fill every empty moment in the day. Just before breakfast, I'd quickly scroll through email, Facebook, Twitter, a blog. And then again an hour later, I'd find myself ignoring my kids' persistent calls for milk and snacks with a distracted, hold on, as I vaguely skimmed an article. I'd sneak in five minutes online as they ate lunch. I'd return from an errand and sit in the driveway with the car running, uh, scrolling through news on my phone. And then I'd check my screen again before bedtime. Throughout the day, I fed on a near-constant stream of news, entertainment, stimulation, likes and retweets. Without realising it, I had slowly built a habit, a steady resistance to and dread of boredom. I decided for Lent, which is the period before Easter, that that year that I was going to exchange routines. I'd stop waking up with my phone and instead I'd make the bed first thing. I also decided to spend the first few minutes after I made the bed sitting on my freshly made bed in silence. So I banished my smartphone from the bedroom. My new Lenten routine didn't make me wildly successful or cheerfully buoyant as some had promised. She spoke about the sensation of making your bed is meant to make you happier, which is a sociological study. She said, but I began to notice very subtly that my day was imprinted differently. The first activity of my day, the first move I made, was not that of a consumer, but that of a co-labourer with God. Instead of going for a device, for a morning fix of instant infotainment, I touched the tangible softness of our well-worn covers, tugged against wrinkled cotton, felt the hard wood beneath my bare feet. In the creation story, God entered chaos and made order and beauty. In my small chaos, I made small order. And then there was a little more space, an ordered rectangle in my messy home. 
I can totally identify. And that rectangle somehow carved out a small, ordered space in my messy, distracted mind. And I sat. At times, I'd read scripture. Most often, I'd pray. I'd be, begin with the Lord's Prayer. Then I'd invite God into my day. I'd lay out my worries, my hopes, my questions before God, spreading them out in his presence like stretched out sheets. I'd pray for my work and family, for decisions, for a meeting scheduled later in that day. But mostly, I'd just invite God into the day and just sit, silent, sort of listening, sort of just sitting. But I sat expectantly. God made this day. He wrote it and named it and has a purpose for it. Today, he is the maker and giver of all good things. And so as we go out into our week, let's take this idea, invite you to take this idea and, and apply it in your own morning, your routine, your rhythm, as a way of focusing on, on Christ, as a way of being his apprentice, as a way of focusing that, that your role is to serve, your role is to obey like the man who does the opposite. Our role is to, to say yes to what Christ has offered us to do. And, um, and our, our role is to stop 